Hello there, old and new friends. Welcome to Divine Musing episode 37. That's his wife. I am Destiny Rambo Corey, and I am so thankful that you have joined me for this journey into scripture, literature, poetry, and prayer as we view them through the light of transformation and growth. Here's something I've been thinking about lately. We will begin and end today's musing with a segment from this wonderful and tiny little book titled If What Do I Know of Calvary Love written by Amy Carmichael. I've used segments from this book before in previous musings and I'm so excited to bring it back today for some additional wisdom. This if begins. If I belittle those whom I am called to serve, talk of their weak points in contrast perhaps with what I think of as my strong points, if I adopt a superior attitude, forgetting who made thee to differ, and what hast thou that thou hast not received, then I know nothing of Calvary love. I'm going to be honest, friends. My spirit is grieved, and it has been for a long time. It's grieved over the inconsistency of leadership in the church and the abuses that have been allowed to continue for centuries. Not all leadership has fallen into this trap, thank God. But when I witness it happening nowadays, it breaks my heart. I will never forget the day my parents were brought in as music ministers to a church that we traveled to regularly on the same day as they also brought in a guest speaker. That speaker terrified me, and spent his time in the pulpit berating the congregation in such a way that in my opinion was inexcusable. Now, I was really young at the time, probably eight or nine, but even at that age, I was just really upset. Nowadays, kids seem to be sent off to children's church, but for the majority of my upbringing, I sat in the entirety of service. I had never heard someone who wasn't a member of a church speak to a congregation like that. Sadly, I'd heard pastors do it, but this was my first memory of an outsider coming in and just ripping the people apart. He talked to them like they were idiots and fools and heaped upon them so much shame and anger. He was incredibly opinionated and it was clear that if anyone disagreed with his beliefs, he was certain they were going to spend an eternity in hell. He was fully convinced that his beliefs were God's beliefs and to disagree with him or question him meant that people were questioning God. It's not like the members of the congregation were talking back to him or anything or even raising their hands to address his intensity, but I guess from the terrified looks on everyone's faces, he assumed we were all in need of his dose of particular conviction. I remember sitting there on the front row with my little Bible and my church notebook, and I eventually just slammed my notebook shut in an act of defiance. There was no way I wanted to remember this moment or anything this man had to say at all. That was not my Jesus he was talking about. Not my Jesus at all. See, when I was four years old, I actually saw Jesus for the first time with my physical eyes. I was laying in my bunk in my parents' first tour breasts that kind of scarily hung from these chains on the ceiling, and it was surrounded by this netting that would ensure that I wouldn't fall off in the middle of the night. 
My bunk was in the back of the bus above my parents' bed. And at night, our nanny would bring our would bring my brother and I out to the bus and would tuck us in while my parents were finishing up their concert and tearing down the equipment and all the things you know you do after a concert. Typically, when she tucked me in, she would close the door that led to the bunk compartment in the middle of the bus so that I could try to start falling asleep without being disturbed when the rest of the team loaded onto the bus. This particular night, she had just left and I began to say my prayers uh, like I always did every night. And typically when I was alone like that, when the door was was shut, (laughs) I would say them out loud. In the middle of my prayers, I saw someone open the door and walk towards my bed. I knew in an instant it was Jesus. I jumped up and I pushed my face against the netting to get a better look at him. And I remember so clearly he put his hands up to the net and his fingers came through the holes and he held my hands. I was so excited and yet I instantly started crying. He stood there with me for what felt like an eternity. He told me about my future and what was in store for me. And then he warned me that my journey would be lonely, but that he was always with me. He warned me that there would be scary times and even painful times, but even in those that he was protecting me. His eyes shined so bright like gold, and his hands were equally as soft as they were calloused. He spoke with kindness and love. He was patient when I asked questions and communicated with such grace. In that moment, I didn't feel like a child. I simply felt like I was his. I could start to feel our time coming to an end, and I begged him not to leave me. That's when he grinned this grin that stole my heart forever, and he told me that even though he was going back into a place that I couldn't see him with my physical eyes, that didn't mean he was gone. He backed away slowly towards the door and he waved and then in an instant he disappeared through the door and what looked like this swirl of mist. I was bawling but yet was the happiest I'd ever been in my whole life. When the mist by the door cleared, my mother was standing there with tears in her eyes, completely speechless. Apparently she had watched the whole interaction happen. That is my Jesus the one who found me and chose me and loved me and warned me of darkness on the horizon before I ever really knew what darkness was. It wasn't two weeks after that that I experienced a sexual assault for the first time. Through that horrific experience, I closed my eyes and I saw his golden eyes there with me and I remembered him telling me that even in the scary moments, he was right there with me. And every time since then, when something awful has happened, that's all I have to do is close my eyes and I can see him. It's not like I don't know he's there until I close my eyes, but when I close my eyes, I can see him in a way that sometimes I can't with my eyes opened. That is my Jesus, not whoever this man was ranting about. In fact, I don't even know if the name Jesus was mentioned at all in his sermon as a means of teaching. His name was used more like a threat, which broke my heart. I recall being back in the green room after service with the rest of the team, the staff from the church, and this minister. The tension in the room was palpable, and we all sort of skirted around this man who was openly bragging about how much fire he brought down on those people. The pastor pulled him into a corner to talk to him, but the room was so small everyone could hear the conversation. 
the pastor was just heartbroken and began to express his frustration with the minister and how he had come in and essentially assaulted his people. He made a statement along the lines of, how would you like it if I got up in front of a group of people and began to talk about your wife in a negative way, calling her every name in the book and doing everything possible to make her feel so terrible that she would just submit and become who I wanted her to be? The minister was infuriated and yelled at the pastor, that's my wife you're talking about. The pastor got right in his face and yelled back, that's his wife you were talking to. I wanted to clap for the pastor so bad. To this day, I can still hear his voice when he said, that's his wife you were talking to. Every time I am privileged to get up on a platform and minister, I look out on the people who have assembled and I am overcome by the beauty of the bride of Christ. It is an honor to be invited to speak into their lives. And if I'm not following the example of Jesus, what am I good for? It breaks my heart today when I see ministers talking at the bride of Christ instead of to and speaking to them like they're fools. I can't tell you how many people I've had to unfollow on social media because they talk to their followers and flocks like they are idiots and annoyances as they look down on them from their perceived greatness in the kingdom. St. Clement of Rome once said, It is to the humble-minded that Christ belongs, not to those who exalt themselves above his flock. To my fellow ministers who are listening today, I encourage you, before you open your mouth, to speak to the flock that Divine has placed you as caretaker over. Remember whose wife they are before you type or say a word. It's not a joke, it's not a game, and it certainly isn't funny. It is a sacred responsibility by which I know we will all be judged for on the other side of eternity. Marcus Aurelius once said, Whenever you are about to find fault with someone, ask yourself the following question. What fault of mine most nearly resembles the one I am about to criticize? As an adult, looking back on that minister who was speaking so terribly over those people, I have a compassion for him that I was incapable of feeling at my young age. What sort of pressures was he under? Who taught him that that behavior was the way to go? Who taught him that that was how you teach God's people? My mama always says, what goes down in the well comes up in the bucket. What lies of the enemy had he been consumed by that made him feel isolated and that he was not part of the collective we of Christ's children? He must have been so lonely, and I pray he was able to experience the true love of Christ in his own transformative way. That's the beautiful thing about Christ, is he never wants to leave anyone on the outside. He always wants to bring us in to our own space of transformation. We are all his bride, whether we are on a stage or in a congregation. The words we speak over the people in front of us are the same words that come back and weigh down on ourselves at the same time. It may feel sometimes like we live in an us versus them world, but we really are part of this collective we. I'll take it even further. We are all children of God, whether we are awakened to the reality of our redemption or not. 
Everyone we come into contact with is someone that Christ died to save. He died so that they could know his love. He died so that they could become a part of his collective bride. The world today is full of platforms, physical stages, as well as countless digital ones. Whether we like it or not, we're all on some kind of platform, and there are people every day who hear what we speak over them and they take it to heart. I pray every day that Divine will help me to show the love of Jesus to everyone I come in contact with, to see them as beloveds and not whatever I need them to be or not to be. If we ever begin to question what to say or even how to begin to love like he loves, we have been given the perfect guidebook in the scriptures. Matthew chapter 9 verses 35 and 36 says, Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages in Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness, his words and his works reflecting his messiahship. When he saw the crowds, he was moved with compassion and pity for them because they were dispirited and distressed like sheep without a shepherd. One of my favorite stories in scripture where Jesus really lays out who he is and how we are to follow him is in John chapter 10, beginning with verse 1. It says, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the sheephold, but climbs up from some other place on the stone wall is one that is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep, the protector and provider. The doorkeeper opens the gate for this man and the sheep hear his voice and pay attention to it. And knowing that they listen, he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out to pasture. When he has brought all his own sheep outside, he walks ahead of them and the sheep follow him because they know his voice and recognize his call. They will never follow a stranger, but will run away from him because they do not know the voice of the strangers. Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they did not understand what he was talking about. So Jesus said again, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, I am the door for the sheep leading to life. All who came before me as false messiahs and self-appointed leaders are thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not hear them. I am the door. Anyone who enters through me will be saved and will live forever and will go in and out freely and find pasture, spiritual security. The thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his own life for the sheep, but the hired man who merely serves for wages, who is neither the shepherd nor the owner of the sheep, when he sees the wolf coming, deserts the flock and runs away, and the wolf snatches the sheep and scatters them. The man runs because he is a hired hand who serves only for wages and is not concerned about the safety of the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know without any doubt those who are my own and my own know me and have a deep personal relationship with me. 
even as my Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my very own life, sacrificing it for the benefit of the sheep. I also have other sheep besides these that are not of this fold. I must bring those also, and they will listen to my voice and pay attention to my call, and they will become one flock with one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my own life so that I may take it back. No one takes it away from me, but I lay it down voluntarily. I am authorized and I have power to lay it down and to give it up. And I am authorized and have power to take it back. This command I have received from my Father. Paul tells us in Acts chapter 20, verse 28, Take care and be on guard for yourselves and for the whole flock over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as overseers to shepherd, tend, feed, guide the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. Whether we like it or not, or even sometimes feel like we have a choice, as believers, we have been tasked with a sacred responsibility to love as He loves and to see everyone we come in contact with, physically and digitally, as someone Christ died to redeem. Whether they are living in the reality of that redemption or have not yet been awakened to that, how we show them Christ can go a long way towards expediting that paradigm shift. Our platforms are not often physical places we step upon to be seen or even cameras we get behind like this to be heard. They look more like dinner tables, grocery store aisles, school hallways, and break rooms. They look like emails and social media posts and comments. They look like conversations that are just as much about listening ears as they are saying the right thing. They look like how we get up when we've made a mistake and how we apologize when we've wronged someone. Our platforms look like homes. They look like car seats and playgrounds and shopping malls. When Christ is alive inside of us, He goes with us everywhere and is involved in every aspect of our existence. We are the mouths and eyes and bodies that Jesus uses today to communicate His love and to teach the path of righteousness to those around us. When I think about Jesus as a teacher, I see that radiant man with those golden eyes outside of my bunk, with his hands through those nets, his entire being radiating with compassion and grace and love for me right where I was at that moment. He met me where I was as a child and continues to meet me where I am every step of the journey. Don't we think it's our responsibility to do the same for others? If you are in a place of awakening to the understanding of the platforms divine has given you in life and long to be an example of Christ to those you have been given to shepherd over, then why don't we pray this prayer together? Divine Creator, you sent your Son Jesus to show us the way, not only as a path to follow behind, but as a person to model ourselves after. His perfection in human form gives us the perfect example to follow, learn from, and to imitate to those around us. Open our eyes to see your beloveds the way you see them and to love them as they deserve to be loved. 
meet us in our frailties and remove any desire to judge or condemn, but open our hearts to channel the love of Christ to all we come in contact with. We know that our words can't change anyone, and our words have no power to transform, but we do know that they open the door for Holy Spirit who can actually make the transformation happen. Let our love prepare the way for the return of the bridegroom. Let our love show others the love of Christ in ways they never knew were possible. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I will leave you with one more quote from If What Do I Know of Calvary Love by Amy Carmichael. Let us end on a very simple note. Let us listen to simple words. Our Lord, speak simply. Trust me with a humbler heart and a fuller abandon to my will than ever thou didst before. Trust me to pour my love through thee as minute succeeds minute. And if thou shouldn't be conscious of anything hindering that flow, do not hurt my love by going away from me in discouragement. For nothing can hurt so much as that. Draw all the closer to me. Come, flee unto me to hide thee, even from thyself. Tell me about the trouble. Trust me to turn my hand upon thee and thoroughly to remove the boulder that has choked the riverbed and take away all the sand that has silted up the channel. I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. I will perfect that which concerneth thee. Fear thou not, O child of my love, fear not. I hope this musing has given you a little something to think about too. Thank you so much for joining me today for Divine Musing. For more information, head over to www.rambocory.com. I would love to connect with you on social media. You can find me at facebook.com forward slash Destiny Makes Music or on Instagram and Twitter at Des Rambo Music.